Hey kids, welcome back to On Stage, Off Stage. I'm your host, George Sapio, and this is episode number 126, February 2020. And it is a very special episode indeed. Our guest is Isabella Madrigal, a 17-year-old playwright whose play, Men Yield and Her Heart, deals with the subject of indigenous women who have been murdered or have gone missing. Isabella, a member of the Kuiya Nation, wrote, directed, produced, each for the first time, and acted in the production. The play has had a profound impact and not only won her scholarships and awards, but she was also invited to speak about the issue at the United Nations. Onstage Offstage spoke to her early last November. We began by asking Isabella how it felt to take on such a horrific subject. I think that this Native storytelling project, Menu in Her Heart, it was born out of the lack of Native representation in the arts. You know, I have a background in acting. Um, I've been doing it for my whole life. I actually, I go to a performing arts high school, and I'm in the acting conservatory there. And something that I continually noticed, you know, first, was that there's not a lot of roles for Indigenous actors, specifically not for Indigenous women, and definitely not for Indigenous girls. And so as I began this process, kind of going through it, I realized that this lack of representation, it wasn't going to be fixed by just seeing a Native face in the media because that wasn't going to truly portray you know, an authentically Indigenous experience and Native story, which is something that's definitely omitted from the national narrative. And, you know, a lot of that is rooted in history, historical trauma, you know, um, this idea of eradication and termination of the Native people. And so for me, that was definitely kind of the calling piece towards creating a project like this. And, and so I kind of started, I thought we had to start by going back to the beginning. And so I researched and I, I re-listened to and, and gathered these traditional Kauia stories. And that's the tribe that I'm enrolled in through my father's side. And as I was reading these stories, I ended up really being struck by about four in particular and you know, they all have this kind of unifying theme of not only strength and resiliency, which is a key aspect of what the play is about, but also they linked and had this kind of wisdom towards, you know, the global epidemic that we that we face today and have been facing for centuries, which is the epidemic of missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls. And, you know, from there, it really all came together with you know, being inspired by these traditional stories. They definitely inspire this play. And it's also about a larger call to action for larger outside audiences, which is to continue the fight for these women and girls. And for me, going through the process, you know, raising awareness to the fact that 84% of Native women will experience violence in their lifetimes, that in the United States they go missing and are murdered at rates 10 times higher than the national average. That's almost and too that incredible. That's, that's such a yeah. huge amount, 10 times? Mm-hmm. Yes, 10 times higher. And, and you know, obviously, even though this issue is, is clearly so big, you know, 95% of these cases, they go undocumented and unreported by national news media. So clearly there's a lack of national consciousness. and And so this play has been about you know, addressing the first stages, because we really are only in the first stages of understanding the magnitude of this issue. There's no national inquiry right now um, into the, the disappearances of these women, you know. Mm-hmm. The annual 
statistics on them aren't included in the annual report to Congress. And so I think that this play is about kind of bringing that story forward. And, and for me, it's been, you know, an incredible experience in terms of identity and, and just being able to have a cast that is, you know, filled with people who are really about bringing this story forward, Native and non-Native alike. Um, but just being able, I think, to see yourself in this larger story is, is really important and healing for Indigenous communities, um, aside from the activism that it provides. So it's been it's been a truly incredible process. And, and, you know, it's just all of these things coming together right. that, that are truly inspiring. Um, and, you know, my cast definitely can, um, inspires me to continue because it is for, you know, for my, I have a little cousin in the, in the play, she's about seven years old and, you know, it's written for her. It's written for my sister, Sophia, it's written for my mother. It's, it's written for all these women, you know, who, who, who not only the women who have gone missing and are murdered, but also, you know, the women who are here, who are staying, who are fighting. Um, I think just being is, is an incredible testament uh, to their strength. So, so that was definitely, yeah. you know, the inspiration. Well, it's, it, the key is to get this place seen by as many people as possible. And yeah. looking looking at the article I saw, you're going to uh, California State University, San Bernardino, and mm -hmm. something I didn't even know existed because it's not within my realm of existence, um, California Genocide Conference in San Diego. Yeah. Um, yeah, next next week. Yeah, that's uh, this. Well, this is going to be November. Um, mm -hmm. So what? Uh, what is that all about? The, the I mean, the genocide conference. How are you going to be participating? Yeah. So this play, something that's really been unique about it is that it's had this touring aspect, and we actually this uh, over the course of this past summer we took it to the Indian Child Welfare Act conference uh, statewide in California, and we performed mm -hmm. it there. And um, we started generating this interest to, to have it seen at other conferences, and that's how we got in touch with the Genocide Conference. But it's definitely, you know, very timely, this play, yeah. for the kind of conversations that are coming up now. And, and, you know, the play itself, right, it's about this larger taking. It's about the taking of women, but it's also about the taking of land, culture, language, identity, and all those things that make up the genocide that was done to the people of the first people of this nation. And so, um, you know, the first nation. So it really is, you know, about healing from that historical trauma. How do we continue? And it was really important for me that this play um, ended with a message of, of strength and, and even of hope. And um, I hope that's the right word because it, it is about continuation. And, um, yeah. You know, that we will, that we have gone through so much, but, you know, we're still here. And I think that's something that's to be celebrated. Yeah. No, hope is, hope is a good word. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. With, yeah, without that, the, it's, there'd be nothing. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it seems like yeah. it's too small of a word. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, uh, yeah. but mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Um, is this your first play that you've written? Yes, it is. This is the first time I've embarked on in any sort of writing. Um, so it was really, you know, just a crazy fast 
um, timeline. I, I ended up writing it. I think it was over like a week or two. Um, I was trying to get it in for, for this deadline. We wanted to perform it in February mm-hmm. and, you know, I think it was once I had the idea to, to take these more traditional stories to inspire it, it was just so much easier to, to let that voice through. And, and I think, you know, being involved in theater for so long was definitely a huge part of um, what inspired me to, to write it and was really incredibly helpful knowing as an, an actor, you know, what I yeah. would like to perform um, to, you know, it's really inspiring to be able to share your own words. So, yeah, it was the first kind of playwriting thing I've ever done, but I definitely want to continue. Uh, I would encourage you to do so. Uh, <laughs> it's I know I know from my own experience that playwriting is one of the most extraordinary experiences that I can go through over it and is. over. And, yeah, and to yeah. feel those words come through you onto the page mm-hmm. is a remarkable experience. Uh, yeah, you said it only took you a couple of weeks to write this. Yeah, it was uh yeah for a, a deadline and so you know I just it was just one of those things where you kind of just you just sit down and you just write it out and um and so it, it really was just kind of just just putting it out there um just getting it up as soon as I could for as many people to see it as I could and yeah. and what's been really great is I got a lot of support um in helping me to continue it and and I'm thinking I'm even going to go back and maybe rework some sections of it maybe you know, send it off to other places, and mm-hmm. and just the, the interest that it's generated has has really inspired me to to do more. Just even with this one play, I would absolutely encourage you to send this to as many places as possible. There are a lot of outlets and ways yeah. for other people to become aware of what you've done, um, and a lot of experts yeah. out there who are willing to help you do so. So, mm-hmm. but you also directed this, right? Yes. So, had you directed yes. anything before? No, this was uh, definitely a project of first. Okay, um, let's no, talk I'd about never, this. Yeah, yeah what, did, what did you go through trying to translate your own words to physical and representational action upon a stage? Right, right. And so, um, you know, the unique thing about this this project was that, you know, it was all non-professional actors. It was all community members, volunteers, most of whom who had never done really any kind of theater before. They just, the, the story really resonated with them and they were willing to give up their time to come to rehearsals, to come to shows. And I was just really taking anyone who wanted to be a part of it um, because that it was about this community healing. And so that presented, you know, a whole bunch of, challenges for me in terms of, you know, I felt, oh, maybe I'm not qualified. You know, it's, it's a huge thing to tackle to, to teach people the art of performance, um, first and foremost, before you can even start work on the the play itself. And so what I ended up doing was I I had some workshops um, and that was just kind of drawing on my own experiences. What, what helped me, you know, kind of figure out, uh, how to portray a character, and then, and then we started going into the rehearsal process. Um, but it it didn't end up being as terrifying as I thought it would be, which which ended up being really pleasant surprise. And I think it it was because you know I did have a lot of support. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, which is always critical. Just, yeah. It is definitely, especially for something like this. 
So definitely like some of the challenges were, you know, dealing with a cast. It ended up being about 20 people, which is, it's a larger, it's a larger yeah. cast for a play. And yeah. it was all ages. You know, we had, like I said, I think a four-year-old was our youngest and then a 90-year-old um, elder was our oldest member. And so it is definitely about, you know, my role as, you know, a 17-year-old. But, you know, it was really great because everyone just, there was a lot of respect in, in the cast. Um, and everyone was just willing to do, you know, what needed to be done, which was really incredible and amazing. And, um, yeah, it just ended up being, you know, something that was really, really special. And, and because it wasn't supposed to be, you know, this perfectly polished theatrical piece, professionally produced or developed, it was coming from the community. It's going to be authentic no matter what. And I think that really is what everyone's trying to capture with theater is yeah. this authenticity and this truth telling. And because of the way it was set up, I think that that was inevitable. Well, I think because you mentioned that there was a lack of uh, high expectations or professional level. Okay. Um, yeah. It, it's easier to create without having that somewhere in yeah. the back of your head. When you're when you were doing this, when you when you were talking to folks, your actors, all right, do this. This is the line. Move here. And having written this thing and trying to put it on stage, was there anything that you learned about the play that may not have occurred to you before? That once you actually did put it on the stage, the great thing about the play was that there was just new things that I kept discovering, and every time we would we would put it up or we would read through it. I remember when we had our first reading with the cast and we were just sitting around the table. And so to give you some context, the play follows um, a young queer girl who is missing. And then the efforts of her sister, and that's who I play, Nisun, um, Heart in Kauia, it follows her journey. And she ends up kind of being led through in and out, weaving in and out of some of these traditional stories. So it has an element of magical realism. And she eventually ascends into this star world is kind of the only way to put it, um, where she she has to make the decision if she's going to return back to to Earth or her family back home and, and to continue, you know, the fight for the missing and murdered, continue her life. And it was something that I hadn't realized was kind of the duality of the message, you know, because I, I definitely approach this as a story of a girl who goes missing and of the importance of continuation. But I didn't even realize about the kind of the other way we lose our women um, and especially, you know, young girls, which is, you know, suicide, uh, taking your own life when you, you just, you get that hopeless and that depressed and, and just, just overwhelmed. And it was something like I discovered in my character and assumed that decision to stay or to go back um, mm -hmm. yeah. is something that I think I didn't even realize was part of the script itself was her decision was something was another thing that was really about what this play was about. Um, and the, the multiple ways that, you know, young girls and young women in, in society, the different struggles that they face and, and that issue obviously is something that's huge within native youth, especially. And so I think it was really powerful for me to be able to tell a story where someone decided to stay right. and that was about that hope like we were talking about and and when I wrote it I had no intention of 
uh, uh, no, it, you know, idea that that would end up happening. But you know, just those little things that you discover, I think, it's just really rewarding. Yeah, it's um, watching it go up on stage. You always, almost yeah. always, learn something about that. Uh, um, you talked about suicide, and of course. Mm-hmm the missing women, the murdered women. And I want to ask about what kind of advocates are there advocates there in, within your society, within your, your connection of people services. Um, there must be something that women can reach out to, right. For guidance, for, uh, um, mental health, for, uh, practical assistance in changing their situation? Yeah, so so you're talking about within indigenous communities kind of help. Yes, absolutely, yes. Right. Yeah, so, you know, when we're talking about kind of the healthcare system and, and all the health disparities that exist within American Indian and Alaska Native communities, um, I think is a testament to kind of where it's failing. Um, I think... You know, uh, kind of an issue with with the the system is the the idea of treating um, people. You know, kind of using the dominant Western model. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always work for Indigenous communities, is what we've seen time and time again. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of recent research that's coming out that's kind of showcasing when you bring in this aspect of culture to any sort of healing, to any sort of mental health group, you kind of see this this great improvement, uh, this faster improvement. American Indian communities heal faster and more consistently when they have access to a cultural practice. Um, They did a study with women and they found, you know, that, you know, that's definitely something that can help. And um, it's something that, you know, it's harder to have access to. And I think that kind of brings up this idea of an urban Indian um, because it's something like 71% of all American Indian um, people live off reservation in cities, and that was part of the, you know, the relocation of American Indian groups and that assimilation. And so, there is definitely a, a lack of access to culture, which is can be so healing, and and it's a, so large a part of identity. Which I think, you know, having a strong sense of identity is, is very important, especially in young people, yeah. um, to kind of figure out. And so, you know. Um, my father was actually responsible for bringing back some of the bird songs. Um, it's a uh, traditional um, practice. Uh, it involves singing, and it kind of tells the migration story of the Kuya people um, to their homeland. And, you know, only a fraction of those songs remain because of, you know, uh, history and, and eradication efforts. And so I think just knowing that, you know, we only have so little left and we're losing more and more um, as time goes on. And so it's really important that people are able to kind of preserve those practices. So for me, I really wanted to preserve those stories. You know, I saw mm-hmm. that was something that was really important for me. And and I think it comes back to this idea of this project, the Native Storytelling Project, as something that's healing, right? We don't heal by forgetting, we heal by remembering. Something Leslie Marmon Silko said, who's a uh, indigenous, a yep. female indigenous writer. And um, I think that was definitely about what this play was about, non-conventional forms of healing. 
Um, and I think that is really the way that we're going to survive um, is by, you know, changing how we deal with the healthcare system because because of those health disparities are definitely culture is definitely prevention. So mm-hmm. for those negative negative outcomes. Yeah, I know with a lot of um, indigenous uh, peoples, there seems to be a struggle between those who wish to maintain their heritage, continue the stories, uh, and continue their 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 ethnic characteristics. Uh, and there are those who want to modernize and move into the system that is around them, um, which always, sadly, I think, splits the people in in the culture in two different ways. Instead of uniting folks, there seems to be two polar opposite ways of dealing with the crisis. Hey kids, thanks for tuning in to On Stage, Off Stage. I'm your host, George Sapio, and this is episode number 126, February 2020. Our guest is Isabella Madrigal, a 17-year-old playwright whose play, Men Yield and Her Heart, deals with the subject of indigenous women who have been murdered or who have gone missing. Isabella is a member of the Kauia Nation, and she wrote, directed, produced, and acted in the production. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I think when we, when we talk about, you know, this kind of, you know, moving forward and how do we move forward, mm-hmm. um, something that's been part of my journey through this process is that I am taking these traditional aspects. There's a lot of kind of traditional things that show up in this play. We have some of the bird songs. We have, you know, these traditional stories and some other traditional songs. And so I'm always very careful to to make sure that you know I'm trying to bring these practices in in the right way because this play is something that's new and so you know it's my my interpretation um, my cast interpretation you know how we Mm -hmm. how we interweave these two things is something that's really exciting for me and what's been really incredible is that I've been able to get you know, a lot of community support and um, elder support. Um, we first put up on the play at the Dorothy Ramon Learning Center, and Ernest Siva, who is a Serrano elder, um, you know, he was really supportive in, in helping me, you know, in supporting my, my vision of this new play as a form of activism using these traditional things. And I really think, you know, that there's something that's so exciting about that. There's a lot of, you know, modern Native artists who are, coming forward and who are bringing tradition with them, but, but they're doing it in a, in a way um, to kind of, you know, shape this unique indigenous identity mm-hmm. as we have it today, you know, in society, which is something that is so, it's so um, inspiring to me. And I think whenever you talk about, you know, people not, not wanting to be Indian, you know, um, my, uh, my grandfather he he went to Indian boarding school. My um, my father's side, you know, there's a bunch of, of you know family members, relatives who went to Indian boarding school, and, and part of what they were taught there is, you know, kill the Indian, save the man. The closer mm. you are, the farther away you are from being Indian, the closer you are to God. This idea of you and yourself and your identity as Indigenous as evil, 
And so I think whenever you talk about people wanting to push away that culture, you know, you need to realize that the, the larger root of that issue is because of, of, you know, all the things that have been done to the community, right. um, taking away children from their families on reservations and telling them that they are evil, that they can't, they have to cut their hair. You know, it's just that kind of trauma, you know, you carry with, you carry it with you. And, yeah. you know, I've been said, I've I don't know much about epigenetics, but um, I've been something that I'm really interested in, and this uh, kind of idea that we carry, um, you know, the experiences of our ancestors on our DNA. We carry that forward, and I think that that's something that's very true in Indigenous communities. We carry that strength, and that's I think, um, you know, culture and tradition so important to us. Mm-hmm. And then you also carry all the trauma that comes along with it. Um, and so, you know, it's a very complex issue, um, but it's it's incredibly inspiring the way art is being used right now um, as a means of expression and uh, and healing. Yeah, well, this is this issue is one of the things that when we when we teach other cultures in schools around the country, this is one of the things that is completely ignored. Or else it's, yeah. glo- it's glossed over in one way or another. We get a sentence or two in a textbook, or we get something completely mm-hmm. and utterly rewritten to be so egregiously false that it is criminal in its printing. Yeah. Um, and these yeah. are the these are the things that these are some of the things that need to be changed and ways of communication. And if we're going to tell the truth, especially with history, we need to tell the whole truth because many times the truth is. Horrible and ugly. Let's move on to the next one. You've worked with Diana Burbano. Right. Yeah. Um, she was a previous guest on On Stage, Off Stage, and uh, mm-hmm. a remarkable performer uh, and person in her own right. Um, what did she contribute to the production? Yeah, so um, I've actually known Diana for for quite a long time. Um my my mother knows her, and I, I actually took some acting classes under her, so she's been kind of a mentor in that way for me um, since I was pretty young. And then, you know, when I came to her and I said, you know, I have this story that I want to share. Um, will you support me? Will you be my mentor? And, you know, it was a resounding yes. And that's something that's, you know, just so wonderful about her, you know, as a you no, know, she's a playwright, and she she's trying to bring forward these untold stories too. And so she's been really, you know, incredibly supportive in helping me, you know, bring forward this story. And so um, after I kind of written this play, I brought it to her, and I said, "Will you read it? Um, will you? What are, what should my next steps be?" And so she ended up uh, kind of reading it, and then also helping me facilitate that first read through of it. Um, and kind of just getting it up on its feet, you know, hearing it was, was really, you know, important for me, I think. And it's been mm-hmm. a significant uh, moment for me, just, just hearing your words and then, you know, how you, is it coming across how you want it to? And so, you know, she was very supportive in that way. And then, um, yeah, just, uh, she just kind of continued to, to definitely help. And, you know, she's, she's doing all this amazing stuff. So, uh, you know, kind of uh, more recently as a player started to pick up more traction, you know, she's been really a helpful force in just guiding me on, on figuring out, you know, where I want to take it, you know, what what are the next steps. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
that's always critical. What are the next steps for this for this work? Yeah. Yeah. For any, or where do you want to see it? Where? How far do you want to go with this? Where Where do you want to go with this? Right. Right. So, um, I think. You know, I really think that the issue that it's tackling is a global one, right? Indigenous people across the world, you know, mm-hmm. I think this, you know, this, um, this, I think it is a war, you know, this silent war that's been persisting for centuries, you know, against Indigenous women in particular, you know, violence against women is used as this war strategy to kind of weaken, demoralize, and eradicate Indigenous populations. And so I think it is something that can be received um, globally. And, you know, that's very far, far into the future, maybe, um, you know, just thinking out loud, but, you know, being able to bring it to that, that wider audience is something that I'm definitely very interested in. And, and I do want to see this produced, you know, I'm actually a senior in high school right now. And so, you know, things are going to change for me, um, depending on where I go, you know, to college or, um, it's going to change the way that this, you know, this this project looks, and yeah. that's going to be because I'm not no longer going to be able to act in it um, as frequently. And you know, we've been having this cast be a part of this for I got gosh, I guess at the end of the run, it's going to be almost about a it's going to be a year almost, which is crazy. And so, you know. Mm-hmm. It's going to change. It's going to need to change. You know, the way that we're doing this kind of process. And so I'm kind of thinking about that. You know, we're thinking of maybe starting a nonprofit for Native storytelling, you know, Native voices telling Native stories, um, creating some sort of toolkit, uh, a theater for social justice, where we can, you know, within an Indigenous context, try to get these kind of tools out to other Indigenous community leaders um, who are interested in something like this. And so, um, that's kind of what we're looking to forward yeah. to to the project. But I think that, you know, there's a lot of unanswered questions and it is an exciting time because so much is undecided. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a remarkable milestone project and mm-hmm. so fraught with with important issues and discussions and it's mm-hmm. going to be upsetting to so many people, which is what theater should be in many occasions because mm-hmm. theater has been always has been one of the more active modes for continuing cultures, for continuing stories, mm-hmm. for continuing points of view. Um, mm-hmm. And it's uh, it, 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 most of it is so non-Broadway. Most of it is so non-Hollywood that the, th- that the plays you go out to see, you stand a much better chance of seeing plays that will resonate much more truthfully with the population. So you've got quite a powerful tool at your disposal here. So, and as, and should probably, you should definitely take it (laughs) as far as you can with this. Okay. um, Let me talk about the audience because we've ignored them up until now. We've, we've talked about everything about this. And let's talk about the earliest, early audience reaction and later audience reactions. What was that like for you to watch the audience and to hear what they had to say? Yeah, so something that we adapted into our performances was this talk back. And so 
we have, um, you know, my sister and I and, and any other uh, members of the cast who, who want to be a part of that can be a part of the panel. And we have a moderator who's also a member of the cast. And we just basically, we kind of discuss, you know, the larger meaning of the play, but we also take a lot of audience you know, participation, audience comments, and audience questions. And for me, that's been something that's been really incredibly rewarding and um, really neat, I think, to be able to have that aspect because it does feel like when you just leave with the end of the play, there's like this question of, well, what's next? You know, mm-hmm. what can we do? What, what, is, what is it for? And so, you know, having that talk back has been something that's been really, I think, important uh, part of the play. And so... You know, in the beginning, we we put it up, like I said, in this cultural center, and it was really uh, a small gathering hall. It wasn't a theater, so we had to, you know, make do, make our own curtains and stuff. And so that was a whole kind of a different thing. And then um, we ended up getting about 100 people to that first performance, which was something that, you know, I didn't, it was not, I didn't think that we would get so much interest, but um, kind of, it was all kinds of people, you know, we had definitely a, a large native showing. Mm-hmm. And what was really neat was we also had a lot of native youth um, from different programs that were bussed in to see the show. Um, a lot of academics too uh, came, which was, which was interesting. And then a lot of non-native, you know, people came to learn about it. And so you know, that was really kind of neat. And it was, you know, extremely positive, um, especially in those first steps, which, which I think is crucial in any project, you know, it's, it's great to, to be able to have that and then to continue forward. And, you know, I think we've performed it. Um, we've done four performances and we've uh, had about 800 people see it, a little more than that maybe. And, um, you know, we just performed it at Sherman Indian High School, which is an all-Native boarding school. So that was, you know, neat because you get a lot of the, the kids that, that go there kind of. Um, so it was really neat to have that youth um, audience there. Um, but like I said, we also did it at, a, at the statewide Indian Child Welfare Act conference. So that was largely to a native community. And that was probably, you know, the, uh, the scariest performance for me yeah. as, um, you know, uh, well, it's, a, being, um, it's a bigger step. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was kind of our first one and, and just, you know, I was like, Oh, I hope people will, like it and accept it because there's always this fear of when you try to you try to bring something new and you're taking culture and you're putting it in tradition and you're putting it in there um maybe you always worry that there might be some backlash you know people mm-hmm. are like oh they're not doing it in the right way and you know there's definitely validity in those concerns and um so it was something I was like, oh, scary, because uh, when you bring it to that indigenous audience, will they receive it well? And and what's been really great is that, yeah, they have. And I think, you know, I, I really try to get, you know, elders in on this cultural people that I know have a lot of, you know, weight in the community who who know who know what they're doing, you know, to be a part of bringing this, um, bringing this show together. And so. Yeah. That's that's been a unique challenge, I think, um, for this process because it is an indigenous story. You know, you got to first and foremost make sure it's accepted by that indigenous community right. um, because that's who it's for. And then also, you know, this other thing of it has it. We're trying to raise awareness for this issue. So how do we bring it out into the mainstream? Because that is definitely what it's going to take to get you know substantial change for this issue. And so 
it's been a unique challenge of this, you know, to bring it out to that to that mainstream audience. But something that I definitely wanted to make sure was that I wasn't compromising anything. You know, I really didn't right. want to have to tailor it or water it down or or you know make it more accessible. I just I and I think you know people have generally responded to that, to that in a, a pretty good way. You know, um, I think there's some appreciation for that authenticity, and I think. You know, now people are wanting to hear those untold stories, and yeah. and I think that's really been helpful for this. I think anytime you tackle something cultural, an interpretation of something cultural, you run the risk of uh, discontent, backlash. Uh, yeah. some, like you said, somebody saying, oh, you didn't do this the right way because this is the way the story goes yeah. and this is the way the story should. And there are so many different ways of telling the same story. And getting the same message across. Um, yours is just another stage in that evolution of that particular story. Mm-hmm. Was there anything the audience responded to that surprised you, that that set you back saying, oh, I didn't know they were going to react to this? Or you know, something that challenged the way that you particularly look at the work? One thing that, you know, I think the biggest um, just popping into my mind right now is mm-hmm. um, one comment, commentator and during the talk back, um, she kind of was, she wanted to know kind of where the men were in, in, in my story. She wanted to know, you know, why, why are there more male characters or, you know, where is their place? She, she was confused about their role maybe in, in not only the play, but in this larger issue. And, and, you know, um, you know, that kind of made me step back and look at my play and be like, you know, it is, it's very, it's very female, you know, it's a, there's a lot of strong female characters, but that was kind of intentional, you know, it, mm-hmm. it is supposed to be, you know, the story of a young indigenous girl, the story of her sister, her mother, um, you know, I, I took some, um, you know, characters from these traditional stories, strong female characters, um, which I think was really neat, but, you know, I think, um, as I was kind of looking back, you know, I, I do think though that there is a, there is a, a masculine presence in that. And I think it, it, it is also about, you know, kind of the male role, I guess, in this issue, which is, you know, to have that respect. And, you know, all, there are um, a good amount of uh, um, male actors in my cast. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of really, you know, great, great men who come to, to be a part of this play. Um, and I think that is about kind of this indigenous um, man and this idea of respect for women, which I think is so inherent in the culture. You know, this idea of respect for, you know, Mother Earth and respect for uh, women in general. And and I think, you know, for me, you know, this play, you know, it is also for the men who stand with us, who fight with us, because it's going to take, you know, everyone coming together. And so... Um, I really hope that there's that sense of unity in this play. Um, and for the most part, I think that, that there is. And um, so it's been, you know, kind of interesting in that, in that way for me seeing that. But, but another thing is there's, there's kind of this scene in the play, which is it's a kind of a protest scene. Um, and it's one of the first, your first few scenes in the play. And it's this, and at the end of the scene, there's this list of these women who have gone missing or who have been murdered. Um, they go and they're listed off. And so what's been really neat is I've been able to 
neat and tragic, but I've been able to add to the, um, to kind of take names from my cast that started with, but then, you know, later from some audience members who wanted to see, you know, the remembrance reflected of someone that they had known, you know, Mm -hmm. reflected. I think that is part of the healing. So being able to, it really is like a living, a living piece that we keep adding to as time goes on. And so I think it will continue to, to keep it expanding and evolving. I hope we don't have to add too many more names to that section. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. One or two more questions and then I will let you go. Okay. Um, Okay. Yeah. Um, This has been a remarkable experience for you, for someone who hasn't written anything before, who hasn't directed anything before. And you seem to have taken on a project of such immensity that I'm wondering... How has this changed you as an artist? I mean, how do you see yourself now as a theatrical practitioner? Okay, because you started as an actor, correct? Yeah. Okay. So here you are now. You've produced this. (laughs) You've directed it. You've written it. Who are you now and where do you see yourself in the future? Let's say near future. Yeah, so this play for me has definitely been kind of life-changing, you know. Um, I think it has been a lot about me, you know, uncovering that idea of identity. Um, And I think, you know, the Indigenous experience is, you know, it's confusing sometimes, you know, um, understanding, you know, the culture and and the tradition and the context of modern day. And, and, um, you know, I think it's unique, you know, um, this idea of sovereignty, you know, sovereignty of of tribes uh, in the United States. And and so it, it's always been kind of a weird thing for me to go and take history classes, but then to realize so much has been omitted mm. and to have a kind of alternate identity is something that's yeah. very unique to indigenous people, especially within the United States, you know. Yeah. And so for me, it's, it's definitely been incredibly empowering to be able to share this story um, unapologetically and, um, you know, being able to be an activist for this cause has been something that's been, you know, really, really great for me, kind of shaping who I am. And also, you know, acting has definitely always been something that I've loved. And, um, you know, I've, I'm really inspired by theater for social justice. I've always been, you know, I, I, I love to go see, you know, uh, I just saw this one woman show. I was in New York over the summer. Um, the way she spoke, uh, which was about missing and murdered and indigenous women, and and just to see her kind of doing a similar kind of thing was just uh, and the actor, and and to hear that play was just really really great. And so, you know, it it has shaped my idea of, of this idea of being an artist, of what it means to be an artist. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, it was really incredibly empowering to see, you know, my words, be able to speak my own words on the stage and and direct others uh, to kind of share that vision has been really, you know, incredibly, I I never thought I would ever write a play or be a playwright. Um, It was definitely not something, you know, I ever, I ever really thought of, I was really in this acting world. And then just to be able to realize that, you know, it really is like this way this way of, of doing, you know, art that's just so, so great, you know, being able to, to do all of it. And I think, you know, 
great artist can't do so many things which is really really neat um but uh but yeah yeah so so it's really definitely been about identity and in terms of where I'm going in the future. Um, so like I said, I'm senior, so I'm making all those you know decisions right now. And I think because of this uh, process, I definitely want to continue to write and to act and to, you know, theater, keep theater alive as a mm-hmm. part of, part of my life. And I'm also really interested in this idea of healing, you know, um, originally, uh, kind of before I embarked on this journey, I definitely saw myself going down a more conventional route. I was going to, you know, be a doctor and kind of health disparities were, were definitely something that I wanted to, to focus on. But now, you know, kind of having this experience under my belt, I definitely think that something I want to do is definitely still tackling that healing. But I think healing in maybe a different way, um, kind of the combining of, the, you know, the intersection of Western indigenous, um, you know, knowledge and, and bringing that indigenous perspective to healthcare is something definitely I want to do and to continue writing and, and bringing forward more stories. So it's, it's exciting and I, I want to keep doing it all. So. Wonderful. The, those are remarkable and admirable goals. I wish you all the luck and everything oh, in, in the, the best you can, <laughs> the best you can possibly imagine last question what was it like to speak at the united nations oh yes yeah because yeah. that's that's a biggie right uh-huh. yeah that was uh it was, it was truly incredible um yeah i can't believe it was only like three or four weeks ago but um yeah in october it was very you know very empowering to be able to you know have that larger platform um I was speaking with kind of five other girls from around the globe and they were each, we were each addressing different issues. And my, my issue that I was addressing was violence against women and specifically violence against indigenous women. And so I was able to talk about the work I was doing in the play and then to also kind of call global leaders to action um, for, you know, missing and murdered indigenous women and girls to ask them to do something within their own communities because like I said, I think it is definitely a global issue. And so, you know, I think that that I was able to speak it as a young indigenous girl speaking for, you know, other young indigenous girls who are the victims of violence and whose voices aren't heard. um, It was was definitely remarkable. And, um, you know, I definitely want to continue to speak for this issue. And, and so it's, it was, it was really neat to also to hear about the other girls, you know, what they were doing in their own communities around the world. That must have been, yeah, uh, an absolutely unbelievable, the, the immensity yeah. of, of the experience. Mm-hmm. My, my one piece of advice is always use your voice, no matter what anybody tells you, continue yeah. to speak, because that is mm-hmm. the most critical thing you can do. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. And uh, please, all the best luck to you and uh, for the project. And I hope you, you hope your words reach around the world. Thank you. Hey, kids, thanks for listening to On Stage, Off Stage. On Stage, Off Stage is produced monthly, and all of our shows can be found at onstageoffstage.org and also on iTunes. If you enjoy what we do, please recommend us to your friends. Don't forget to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at OnOffStage. 
And if you are a theater artist with an upcoming project of interest or work in a part of theater we haven't covered yet or know of someone in the theater world who'd make some great chat, please send us a note at info at onstageoffstage.org. Onstage Offstage believes in and advocates for a world where all people are free to live their lives as they wish, in peace and without fear. We believe in universal respect, diversity, and equality in all areas of life for all people, no matter what their nationality, race, religion, age, sexual status, or gender. Onstage Offstage will never promote or endorse those who seek to diminish others because of who they are. I'm George Sapio. Thank you once again, and happy theatering to all of you. (laughs) 